before we started the show, Tim said the F word, and it was very hard for me to get the silence down, because that was really funny. But anyways, welcome to the Critical Wits Podcast. I'm Crispy. I'm Tim. Uh, you missed him saying the F-bomb, which I think is better because, well, I have a reputation to keep. So it's far, that everybody just has to take your word for it. I had plenty of opportunities to drop more F-bombs just to try and get you to laugh, but... No, no, you're big Yeah, you're big, uh, you're now I am. You, yeah, yeah. So I'm Tim Jenkins, and I'm Crispy, and we're here to talk about Dungeons and Dragons, kind of, uh, ostensibly. Sometimes. <laughs> it says on the website that that's what we're supposed to be talking about. Uh, what did we talk about last time? Uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Turban Wizards. Yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> but that that's related to Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, the wizards that, in turbans. You you put you put a turban on a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so today we're going to do something more discussion-based, I guess. I don't know. Well, as opposed to a podcast that's not discussion-based. Yeah. Like, shut up. This is the singing episode. Critical Wits the Musical. I'm not. I'm I'm not not singing. I I don't have anything prepared. (laughs) I didn't make the rehearsal. Look, man. I didn't even make callbacks. Um, Let's see. All right. So today... We have uh, a special topic. It's kind of like the other special topics we tried to do and ultimately scrapped because the episode turned out really boring. Except this time it won't. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, if you're hearing this, it didn't. Or maybe it did and we are bad judges of what is or isn't boring. Let's go! Uh, so, we are a tabletop RPG podcast, but we're very specific about which game we talk about like we'll we'll dabble in other games and bring up like oh in this game they do it this way and i like this from this thing but uh we generally keep it to dungeons and dragons yeah which is generally the one yeah that one you talk about oh well you see uh, me and my friends are going to get together and pretend to be fantasy characters and fight monsters and use our imagination and dice and people would be like you mean dungeons and dragons most people wouldn't be all like no we're playing tunnels and trolls you plebeian well to be fair there's plenty of people who are like that but generally you can say oh we're gonna go play some D and people will be like yeah even if you're playing like pathfinder or castles and crusades or even like World of Darkness or what have you. GURPS. GURPS. This is generally one of the only tabletop RPGs that sounds like an involuntary bodily function noise. Yeah. It sounds like, appropriately, it sounds like the sort of noise you make after you drink a lot of Mountain Dew and eat a lot of Cheetos. That's, oh, yeah. uh, hey, what were you guys doing? Oh my doing? god. GURPS. Oh yeah, you're right. Dude. What? You know what I just realized? What? Steve Jackson's been lying to us. GURPS doesn't stand for General Universal Role-Playing System. What does it stand for? It stands for Gamer Burps. Oh. Which, what do gamers eat and drink? Mountain Dew and Cheetos. Uh Uh-huh. And what sound do you make after eating a lot of Mountain Dew and Cheetos? GURPS. Yeah. This changes everything. We were going to talk about something else, but now we're going to talk about this for three hours. (laughs) There will be diagrams. Uh, There's a test on Monday, so pay attention. Yeah. Um, those of you who didn't want to sign up for an online course, um, sorry, you're in it now. And your GPA is gonna plummet if you don't study from now on. Also, you owe me $700. <laughs> yeah. The textbook is 200 <laughs> You can sell it back for 30 at the end of the semester. College! We had to cut costs. The textbook's 150 but it's a binder book, so you can't sell it back. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. But you save $50. Yeah. 
I hate school. I graduated. Um, so I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I have other games. We've played other games. We've played plenty of other games. D&D is really the game that we come back to. Yeah, generally, we've played various flavors of D&D. Yeah. And we'll play other stuff, but then we'll just kind of go back and play D&D. And I don't know. I think it's really interesting, like, why? Why do we do that? So today's episode is Why D&D? Why tabletop games and why D&D in particular? Yeah. Why do we play them? So, Tim, why do you play Done, or tabletop games. Why do you play tabletop, tabletop games? Tabletop games in particular? Yeah. The thing I think is really unique about tabletop role-playing games, I come from a background of playing video games, which is kind of an unnecessarily fancy way of saying that I played a lot of video games when I was a child, which is not special, really, because I grew up in an age where video games were real and not some distant future thing, such as in the past. But anyway, I played a lot of video games, and... I remember distinctly the first time I played some kind of D&D type game. I was really surprised by the idea that you could do anything. And a lot of people are. Like, many people still don't realize that D&D or tabletop role-playing games in general are not really rigidly defined. Is that since they're arbitrated by another person, you can do basically whatever you want in them. And then your friend who is running the game has to figure out what happens. I think it's funny that you mentioned that because, like, D&D is still sort of this, like, weird arcane thing. It's way more mainstream than it was, but it's not... There are people who have never played D&D. Well, of course. But everyone has played video games. Yeah. Everyone's played Zelda or Final Fantasy or Mario or one of those things that is very much inspired by Mm D&D. And it's just... It's a really weird thing. Like, I don't... I can't think of another example where that exists, where, like, here's the source material for this kind of thing that's still around. People still play. And then here's its derivative that, like, everyone is into. Well, when was the last time you saw a play? Uh, well, I, I saw an opera a couple weeks ago. Oh, man. So... I was really hoping it was a long time since you went to a theater. No, dude, I, I went to the opera, like, three weeks <laughs> ago. I was gonna make ago. this great, awesome point where you would be like, I haven't seen a live theater play in ages, but I've seen Hollywood movies. Suddenly I understand everything, and Tim it looks really smart, and I look uncultured. I also just read Othello, like... Uh, I've... Oh, man, you're in college... <laughs> Sorry, man. I don't know why I thought I had this on you. But no, I think your point still stands. Listener at home, when's the last time you went to a play? Yeah, email us at criticalwits at gmail.com and be all like, Oh, Tim, you were right. Just do that whatever, actually, regardless of anything. Just keep sending us things that say I'm right. Also, uh, if you have gone to a play, I don't believe you. So send me (laughs) a picture of the stub from the ticket. No, no, send us a picture of you and the person who starred in the play at the theater, on stage. If you've been in a play, email us at criticalwits at gmail.com. And why do you play D&D in particular, Crispy? Why do I play D&D? Um... Like, yeah, because a lot of the time, the things you say you like about tabletop role-playing games are done better by games that aren't D&D. Yeah, that's a weird thing. Um, Yeah. So I play tabletop games. I think I've I've always been a storyteller. Mm -hmm. Like, that's something that, like... So you've only ever played World of Darkness. Yes. No, I, I like to tell stories. I wanted to be a writer when I was a kid. Um, the reason, like, I'm into linguistics is because of J.R.R. Tolkien. 
Like, he's my linguist hero. Cellar door. Cellar door. Except I said it's cellar, like an American. Yeah. Cellar door. Cellar door. Um, <laughs> so, when I was 14 and we were at, like, the lunch table and we got to play that one weird <laughs> session. That was weird. Where we, like, just made basically anime characters. We made weird anime characters and we just kind of dicked around. Yeah. And... I don't even remember what that game was about. We played. It like, wasn't about anything. We it was one session. One we session. In like a building, we just kind of woke up in there. There was no story of like, how did we get here? And we were, and we were just all like, oh, I'm gonna pick up this thing. And then it was like, okay. And it was like, oh, you can really do anything. Yeah. You can do whatever. And then we dicked around. Well, I went home that day, and <laughs> I was like. I, I made my own version of D&D &D with my friends, and we had, like, sagas that we went through, and, like, our characters had children, and mm -hmm. it was all about, like, just doing stuff and improving. I will say, that was not my first experience with D&D. &D. I don't talk about this very often, but my first experience with D&D &D was actually I was really quite young. I was but a child. Me and my brother, uh, our uncle was big into D&D. So when we went over to the house at which he lived, like, when we were kids, our, our uncle was, like, college age. He was, like, kind of a younger guy still, so he was playing D&D &D and writing software and Visual Basic and stuff like that. Um, okay, maybe the idea of writing software and, physical, and Visual Basic as placing an era... It's That's what you did in 1990s college. No, like, it's it's okay. Like, <laughs> Alright. I was just like, wait a minute, is that just something only I understand? But yeah, he was, he was that kind of person. And he, like, when we were over there, he it was kind of just sort of fell upon him to keep us entertained for whatever reason. A, a torch that has been passed on to me with my little cousins. <laughs> Except instead of playing D&D &D with them, I just kind of let them beat me up. Which has gotten progressively harder as I have gotten more old and frail and they have gotten more large. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think I might try introducing them to D&D next time instead of just being like, okay, just beat me up for the duration of this Thanksgiving. Yeah, but... So no, like, no, no, wait, no, no, I'm, I'm still telling my story. <laughs> but you interrupted my story. No, no, <laughs> but Tell your story. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make it quick. He played a D&D &D variant with us, which was basically like pretend and he would tell us to roll dice and we would roll dice and he'd say what would happen i'm pretty sure that's what happened at like our first yeah session. yeah that's what you, and then yeah from then on we we thought it was the most amazing thing in the universe some kind of embarrassing aspect of that story my our parents at the time our mom in particular was very anti-occult kind of thing until she was okay and and me and my brother were good kids we like internalized everything our parents taught us and like took it as law so we were all like, oh, we'll play D&D, &D, but it has to have, like, no magic. Because magic is occult and horrible and against God and uh, still clearing out that gunk. Anyway, so um, <laughs> our uncle was like, oh, there's no magic in this world. It's just very advanced technology that's so advanced that it seems like it's magic because nobody understands how it works. And then we were all like, seems legit. Yeah. So we played D&D &D with wizards and stuff who were technomancers or whatever, except that he would just say that like oh whenever i say magic i mean like that really advanced technology we were about like okay where was i going with this oh yeah we played that with him and then from then on i would play some kind of weird variant of that with my brother whenever we had a moment and weren't allowed to play video games i'd be like oh hey let's do that tabletop rpg thing and then i would just narrate what's happening and make him roll dice but he would always win because he would get mad at me if he didn't win 
And uh, I did that until like middle school, and then Crispy's story happened, which was also my story, and continue your story, Crispy. Uh, man, now I don't even remember. So we had this thing where, like, yeah, we could do anything. Yeah. And that sort of caught the bug with storytelling. Like, um, I'm sorry I interrupted you. It's okay. The thing that I think I like most about D&D is... I'm trying to think of why I play. Like, why do I play tabletop games? Mm-hmm. It's part of the storytelling I really like getting around and entertaining my friends and stuff like that and being entertained. Like, my mm-hmm. favorite thing is when the players can make me laugh and I just hand over the reins to let them do what mm-hmm. they want. Um, but I, I like having a world full of characters that you get to create. And that was something I, like, when I was a writer, that was something I was always doing, was creating characters like, way too elaborate backstories. Yeah, I was about to say, Joe, I remember when you told me about how you had the story idea where somebody talks to a guard at the beginning and you had mapped out that guard's entire life. <laughs> I don't do that as much anymore. I think, like, that the last vestiges of wanting to be a writer of fiction definitely disappeared a while ago, but I have D&D games. Like, that's what I get you, to do. You have an outlet for yeah. that desire to make stories, and you only have to make part of it. Mm-hmm. You only have to decide what happens. Yeah, and that's part of, like, I was a theater kid in middle school, like, while you were in elementary school making up, like, stories with Paul, I was mm-hmm. doing the same thing with action figures. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't, like, trying to make any kind of systems or anything like that. I was, like, being theatrical and stuff like that. And then throughout middle school, like... So I get to hold on to these things, like, that I realized were probably too unrealistic for me to do as a profession. Mm-hmm. But I get to do them for fun. Just write stories and improvise and do voices yeah, I do think definitely a huge draw to, to tabletop role-playing is that you get to keep playing pretend, but yeah. you get to play pretend like a grown-up. Yeah, it's like, great. kids, they know how to have fun, but otherwise they don't know shit. <laughs> That's very true. When you grow up, you get to play pretend so much better, as long as you frame it as this kind of legitimate hobby, and you don't just be all like, well... Page 43 says I have a force field and that I don't want to play with you anymore. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I I don't know. Um, I have, um, yeah, I have no idea what I was doing. <laughs> but I guess what I'm trying to say is there's definitely a lot to be gained from pretending to be somebody else for a while as an adult. Yeah. Uh, one thing that, like, so in the past on other podcasts, probably at some point, I've like talked about people who work through things mm-hmm. while playing D&D, and I'm like, oh, I don't really play it for that reason. But mm-hmm. as I get older and the more I realize like things that were going on in my life and stuff like that, I did use tabletop games to work through frustrations. Really? Yeah. I would actually like to hear about this. Uh, Zhao Chen oh. was me. So... I had to move back home. Like, I was living on my own for a couple of years, and then I moved back, and I was living with Tim's family and Tim. And I mean, I'm part of my family. Yeah. And, like, paying rent and stuff like that. And um, that was in 2008 at, like, the start of the the Great Recession. Yeah. Bef- yeah. <laughs> and so I had to move back in with my parents. And generally, uh, I don't get along with those people. Like, they're okay when I'm not living there, you know, it's it's that sort of thing. But I basically didn't have any power in my life. And Zhao Chen, the character, was somebody who had really overbearing, strict parents. Um, and then he's handed, like, power. He's given power, and it's like, what happens? 
And uh, Zhao Chen was he. <laughs> well, what happened wasn't. I'm glad what happened to Zhao Chen didn't happen to Crispy. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure Crispy would have kicked my head off and then used it as a puppet. Zhao Chen became a psychopath. Like, he went off the deep end because he finally had the power to do things. And, like, that's something that, like, sure, I may have been able to do in real life if this is going to get kind of, like, deep and way too real. Like, if I had a gun or something like that. But I didn't because I was able to work out those frustrations in a healthy manner in a game. Well, uh, crap. I'm, I'm not, like... I'm mostly just concerned that any story I'm going to give is going to be like, yeah, I, have... <laughs> I, I like to have fun with dice. <laughs> I... Well, there's something. With me, the whole idea of pretending to be other people is definitely, I think, letting me get more in tune with, I guess, my, what I consider my own identity. I, I've kind of had a weird arc in my life of most people kind of start out unsure of who they want to be and then sort of gradually find themselves. And I've kind of had the opposite experience where I started out extremely sure of who I wanted to be and had a really strong sense of identity. But as I grew older, started to lose sight of what I thought were core aspects of my being and my personality and things I was interested in. Part of this was, I guess, in part to D&D, where I was all like, for I was a video games guy, and I was like, oh, I like D&D so much. I had to do that, and I think about that way more than video games. Who am I? That's a little dramatic. <laughs> I'm not. I video games are not that important to me. But not just my interests, but things about like what I considered to be key aspects of, what, or what I thought my good points were. Just I'm still kind of working through a lot of that. But being able to play as completely different characters, I think, has been really eye-opening in terms of being able. Because the thing is, when you play a different person, it's basically difficult to impossible to try and play off of experiences that you don't have or don't have secondhand experience with or anything like that. So every character you make and play as their own person is a part of you. Yeah, every character I've ever played has been informed in some way by my own personal experiences. You yeah. you can't not... It's impossible to divorce who you are as a person from this person you're pretending to be. Yeah, and most... a lot of... not most... But a lot of people when they play D&D just basically play me if I had a sword or whatever. And that's perfectly valid too. I think, yeah, like, I definitely think... Some people don't... Well, like, a lot of people play D&D and don't even play characters. Yeah. They just play the game by the rules. But what were you going to say? I think, like, characters like Rutgers Grimm mm -hmm. and uh, maybe Merrick the Magnificent are definitely aspects of myself... Magnified a thousandfold. Yeah, you have to probably explain, like, what Rutgers Grimm and Merrick Magnificent have come. They're really smarmy, like, intelligent, over the top, like, ridiculous people, <laughs> and I definitely feel like that's part of me. Like, I am just, I'm an absurd person. You've listened to this show. <laughs> You've heard our conversations and like the bits that we improvise. <laughs> That's us. Like, this is not a show, like, in, in the respect that it's an act. This is who we are. <laughs> to be honest, when we're at our most ridiculous on the show, that's when we're coming the closest to how we are off the show. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, 
we're not dialing it up for the show. We're just approaching how we are when we're not on the show. Yeah, we uh, we it's a steady in, like incline into actually us. Um, we had a conversation earlier tonight. Uh, we were talking about web content and how it, it doesn't necessarily need to be uh, like television or radio content. Like, why make a web show that's like a TV show or why make a podcast that's like a radio show with segments and bumpers and sponsors and blah, blah, blah. And as we're doing this, we're in a dorm. We're in like a college dorm walking out. And Tim we're... is tall and lanky, and he's wearing, like... A trench coat and round glasses. You've and seen the icon. I'm short and stocky, and I'm wearing a university hoodie. I'm and wearing you have a... blue hair. And I have blue hair. So... And this fucking Asian dude just comes walking down the, like, the hallway that we're coming from, and we're having this conversation. About web content. <laughs> and Tim, as we exit the building, is like... We're like side characters in that person's story. And we had this long diatribe of how we don't actually exist except as like a snippet to show what college life is like in this independent film. Yeah, of like this these two visually distinct but very college-y looking people walking by discussing a very sort of like faux highbrow subject is how like web content doesn't need to be like offline content. Just getting to that snippet of the conversation as we pass this like this pretty just standard looking person yeah, just, this just regular doing his dude. laundry. I could just like see the camera following him as he rolls his eyes at these like phony college people talking about web content. And then we get six seconds of screen time and our purpose is served. We talked about that for like an hour. <laughs> the conversation wasn't about the conversation. It was about our role as secondary characters. Not even, Not second, even secondary. We were, back, we're we background, were, yeah. We were background noise in that person's life. Yeah, that's the sort of things <laughs> that we talk about. So you have, like, these really absurd characters, like Merrick the Magnificent was the... He was a stage magician, <laughs> but in, like, a D&D &D world. He, so he was also a real magician. Yeah, he was a real stage magician. Um, and then Rutgers Grimm is just this over-the-top zany antics. He's like an anime character. <laughs> He's basically like Zenigata if Zenigata was Lupin. That doesn't... That makes sense in my head. Um, if Zenigata was the main character? If Zenigata was the main character and a little more fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like, there's very distinct aspects of like their senses of humor and how they present themselves that are just magnified parts of my personality yeah and with me a lot of my characters have sort of like when you said that thing about how Zhao Chen was helping you work through things I was just thinking you know who I think what character I think I had that was indicative of sort of the period of my life that I was in oh. Terrence Hmm. Now, when I played Terrence, uh, I'll explain. Terrence was a ranger who was from the desert, which I thought was super novel at the time. He's basically my first real D&D &D character back when Crispy gathered a bunch of our friends together and was like, let's play D&D. &D. And I was like, I'm going to make a ranger, but he's from the desert. And I was like, yeah, that's novel. And originally I was going to make Terrence. He was just going to be this really like world weary, sort of sarcastic kind of never surprised at anything bad that happens kind of character but he ended up being kind of the team dad <laughs> and the thing about terrence is that um the other people we were in the group with were close friends of mine and at the time i always felt like i was kind of taking care of everybody 
Like I was always sort of the person who gave everybody rides, who made sure that everybody's like life was going okay. I was always the first to offer help to people and always the first person everybody would ask for help from. That kind of, like, I was sort of, it's something I kind of got bitter about after a long time, but it's a position that I ultimately put myself in. And I was in a group with two people I was very close with, and still am, well, kind of. Um, I will. And the thing is, is that Terrence sort of took on this role of caring for the other members of the party in sort of that same way. Like everybody, he became like the leader. Everybody always looked to him for the decisions to be made. He was the only human in the party, so he was ultimately the one who interacted with other people on behalf of everybody. And he sort of had, he was basically at charge himself with keeping everybody safe. And the thing is, Terrence kind of uh, died at one point, and that was very emotional for everybody because he had had this role of caring for everybody, and then after he he dies and nobody knows what they're gonna do and I, I, everybody had this really sort of genuine reaction to terence's passing and i think that might have even been a part of it it's because like terence was me in that time and it sort of confronted everybody with the possibility of like me suddenly not being around to i guess take care of everyone i definitely think that was the most beautiful tabletop moment really yeah i don't <laughs> think anything i don't I can't think of any more sincere moment, like yeah. than that. There were actual tears shed. <laughs> it was freaking sad, guys. It was really You'll sad. You'll have to take our word for it. But reportedly, my death speech was amazing. It was really good. <laughs> um, you, I was gonna say, I think a strong contender for that would be the Christmas speech. Oh, and my <laughs> thoughts on yeah, like, <laughs> which is another point at which you're using Rutgers Grimm as like a mouthpiece for your own emotions. For my own emotions about Christmas. I hate Christmas and this is gonna come out probably fairly close to Christmas so I don't want to bum people out. I just I have a like. It's probably gonna come out after Christmas. Yeah probably. Uh, I just don't like Christmas. I it was and that was during Christmas time wasn't it? It, it Was well, it after yeah, it or was, before? It was during Christmas time for sure because like the it was around Christmas because that's when my brother can come home and, like, the idea of it was it was the Rutgers Grimm Christmas special, and the adventure was Christmas-themed and everything. Yeah, so I was probably in, like, a grinchy mood. <laughs> and uh, I gave this really, like, emboldened speech about the evils of consumerism. <laughs> but from the perspective of someone who is, like, this ultra-capitalist <laughs> who thinks that the evils of consumerism are absolutely necessary... <laughs> And it was beautiful. He skipped a boss fight with it. It was really good. I I liked it. But I don't know, like, that was a different kind of sincere. Yeah, like, you were clearly being you at that time. It wasn't like a you look back and you're like, huh, now I'm drawing parallels between how I played and how things were. But that was like, that was just... That the, was just me. Yeah, that was just you. That was, like, and I don't know, like, I'm not going to say that Rutgers Grimm and I are the same. Because I definitely think... We're very different people. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, that's an aspect. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm trying to think of, like, I I just, I think tabletop games are the greatest kind of game that you can play because they're absolutely limitless. Yeah, the only limit is your imagination. It's like kind of the weird, cheesy way of saying it, but if you actually consider that sentence and what it means, it is, it's, it's like, wow, that's, 
if you are playing with imaginative people and you yourself are imaginative, there's literally nothing else that comes close to it. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that, like, what's so great about it is it's it's not actually just limited to your imagination. <laughs> it's limited to four people, five people's imagination. Yeah. Everyone in the group has a say into what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's 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 collaborative storytelling. You you create a world and a mythos, and I think it's kind of a shame that like how the game has progressed. That it's sort of the standard way of playing D anD D is that there the is... world building stuff relies on one person. Yeah, well, kind of. I think maybe the reason that is a thing is because world building has become so much more of a thing than it used to be. Like in the olden times, I guess. People were just like, oh, I'm in a fantasy world or whatever, and they didn't really pay too much mind to the wider world-building aspect of like, oh, how did dragons come to be or whatever. They'd just be like, here's a dragon. Are dragons bad? Yes. Let's kill it and take its gold. And then like, okay, you have all the gold. What are you going to do? Uh, Make a castle. And then you would build the world that way. Yeah. And like those aspects, like those specific things about D&D are really appealing to me. Like mm-hmm. carving out your own niche in the world yeah and there is something i have to say about the whole idea of the only limit is your imagination um creativity thrives when given constraints is the thing yeah like every you can get four people together and you can all tell a story and that's not i don't think even close to the experience of playing a tabletop role-playing game because there are rules there and working within the rules I, i think doesn't limit the experience so much as it i guess focuses it yeah. Like, putting the limitations... Like, have, you can make up a character, but having hard limitations on what they can accomplish and sort of having metrics to define what happens when they try to do certain things and being able to be uncertain of how things happen or how things turn out is really important to being able to create, like, a really good story together, I believe. Hmm. Um, it's because I think the dice are definitely very important in that aspect because... Having that random element makes it to where nobody's able to really accurately predict what happens next, which forces you to, on the fly, just keep making things up and keep reacting genuinely to what happens. Yeah. I think it's a, it's sort of a whole package. Like, you have the imagination, and then you have the constraints that help you focus it. Like, I'm a wizard. I do these things. Mm-hmm. I'm a rogue. I can't do the things that you can do, but I can do these other things. Mm-hmm. And then you have things like alignment to an extent but you have things that sort of by the very nature of the game inform the character that you're you're being and yeah you i, I don't know like you create this whole other person um even if you i don't at least in my experience even if you don't put a lot of thought into the backstory initially eventually you start delving deeper and you start thinking why are they like this mm-hmm. and you take into account like fictional tropes and stuff like that like um, I could, I don't want to get into it too much, but like, Rutgers Grimm was a character that I just like, thought of slightly, like he was a, a parody of like, detectives, and eventually he became something completely different. And as the story progressed, and we kind of collaboratively made this story, and it twisted and turned in ways that we never could have imagined, I started delving even deeper into... Mm-hmm. Why is he the way he is? What makes Rutgers Grimm Rutgers Grimm? Mm-hmm. And taking into account, like, his past and stuff like that. Like, you, I could have easily fallen into, like, a lot of cliche things, but I sidestepped them, and I think it made him a much richer character. I think there is something to be told about the idea of having a character 
and thinking about what makes them them. Is one thing I think D&D can do is uh, teach you empathy for other people. Which by trying to consider the point of view of c people who are as different from you as you can bear to make them at any given time, you start to, and as other people react to those characters you make and you sort of get to vicariously experience what it's like to be them, then you sort of start to realize kind of why people might be the way they are. And even if they're something you don't like, there's a reason that they're like that. And you start to not blame people as much for what might be their shortcomings. And, you know, you start to be more empathetic towards people because you realize, oh, this person has not had the same experiences in life that I've had. So, yeah, they're different, and I, yeah, empathy. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely agree. Um, I have, and I, I'm not sure if it's just me as a person and the friends that I have, and if D&D plays a part into that, but I definitely... I definitely keep in mind, like, I don't have this person's life. I don't have their experiences. I haven't been through what they've been through. And that sort of, like, I wouldn't say that... I, I think, for me, what other people would deem as shortcomings for people, because I have that knowledge, I'm cognizant of those factors, I don't see them as shortcomings anymore. It's just sort of, we're different. Yeah. Um, like, you say potato, and I'm like, why, why do you say that? We're, we're at the mall. There aren't potatoes at the mall. No. <laughs> Get out of here. Like, go to the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, and that's one thing that makes me a crispy different. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we've talked about why tabletop games. Why D&D specifically? <laughs> I... Well, that... uh, here's the thing. Should we talk in terms of D&D, the setting and the tropes, or D&D, the game system? I mean, both Ooh. eventually. Yeah. But... Ooh, that's... Because I think both those are two different whys. Yeah. I think let's go with D&D the setting. Yeah. Well, D&D has plenty of different settings, but they generally all have some pretty common themes. The themes generally being, you know, it's a fantasy world, magic is real, the outside world is dangerous, but if you have the bravery and the gumption, you can go out and carve a niche for yourself and experience great things and come back with great treasures and become very successful kind of thing. And there's also generally this theme of having camaraderie, of having a small group of closely knit trusted friends who all have similar goals to you and you travel about together and you're great and you conquer all of your demons and the demons that happened to be there before you got there. Like actual, like, <laughs> like metaphorical demons and, and literal demons. And literal demons. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I think there's definitely a power fantasy aspect to it. Of In your everyday life, you're generally not the most powerful person in your life. You might start to feel kind of like a cog in a greater machine. Or you might feel like even if you stand against things you don't agree with or try to remove yourself from things that you don't want to be a part of, you're ultimately powerless to make a difference. And the thing is, in a game like D&D, it's all about these very small groups of people of like-minded like individuals who, just because they have some kind of innate quality of like super special heroism, they get to become these movers and shakers in the world. And that's generally a D&D thing. There's... People will run games where you're a, a small fish in a big pond, or you ultimately can't change anything. Personally, I think those games are no fun. I kind of flip-flopped on that after a while, but I wound up on the side of, yeah, you guys should be the big damn heroes. Uh, same. I used to... I 
I look at it from a different angle from most people with like the small fish thing. With me, it's small fish becoming big fish. Hmm. So like your like growth. Yeah, like you you eat a bunch of other fish, <laughs> and over time you metabolize that in that that energy, and it builds new cells, and you become more of a fish. Yeah, no, for for me it's like I like the idea of people who don't have a lot of power but do have an innate like specialness to them mm-hmm. going through the ranks of the world and becoming the the most important becoming the biggest fish like that's something that's really attractive to me so like i and i also want to like um oh man that common word that i just forgot i also want to clarify that i don't mean that like you start off as nobody special or not as a hero like as a dirt farmer yeah you you are someone special and you start off and you become something more and i do think that that sort of like camaraderie where you have a a small group of people Mm -hmm. one of the things that bugs me the most in games when you introduce new people (laughs) is you always get that jackass who doesn't want to work together with people yeah and it's just like or people are like way too snarky yeah i don't like the the party that's at each other's throats all the time kind of yeah like i appreciate a little bit of banter and maybe a little bit of of kind of good-natured snarking of like, I'm going to criticize the way you handle this problem, but I've got your back no matter what happens. Yeah, I I like that. Like for me personally, I don't have I don't have a lot of people that I consider like my closest friends. Your party members. My party members, the people that I would go into a dungeon with or camp out in the hillsides for months, and those are the people I play games with. That's. Those are the people that I would go on an adventure with. And so we get to live out this fantasy of like what it would be like to be more than what we are. And I, I think that's that's great. Like you get to be someone you're not. You get to to really be truly special and important. Yeah. And like I've said this on another podcast at a different time, but like we were talking about dark fantasy where everything's like grim dark and shitty and like bleak bleak and i don't like that because i was working at a bookstore job at the time and i would go to my bookstore job and i would just go through these like motions and i would deal with shitty people who like make me feel small and unimportant uh because i was working in a retail job and i don't want to come home from that and like be a a dirt farmer (laughs) with a feudal lord who was like yelling at me because i didn't sell enough borders rewards cards i mean (laughs) plots of land I I don't want that. I want to go through a fucking, like, lava cavern and fight, like, a dude who's made out of lava. And then, like, I get, like, a fucking a sweet sword. Yeah. Like, I think one thing about D&D is it's definitely built into the system that you get tangible rewards for undertaking great feats, which is not something that happens in real life as much as it should. Yeah. Like, in real life, let's be honest... Generally, it correlates that if you work harder, you get more reward out of it, but it doesn't always. Yeah, and I think for me personally, like, another reason why I play specifically D&D and D&D fantasy is because, like, I grew up in the 90s, and <laughs> I had, like, David the Gnome and Eureka's Castle and Peter Pan and the Pirates, and uh, there was a show about, like, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, and, like, knights and princesses and shit. That was, like, a big part of my childhood, and that's what I like. 
Now, there is something I do want to dispel here. It sound, there is definitely an aspect of escape fantasy to playing games like D&D, but I don't necessarily think that it's a crucial component of... Like, basically, what I'm trying to say here is, is that you don't have to have a crappy life to enjoy D&D. You can be perfectly content with where you are in life and still play D&D and have a great time. Yeah. The thing is, is that I think one of the reasons why uh, bleak fantasy is so common among certain groups of people or really gritty, violent works, a lot of the time, the people who enjoy those kinds of works are very confident in their own lives. They're very secure and they don't experience a lot of hardship. And so that is what they escape to is the idea of the struggle of like they they don't have a struggle in their daily lives. So they want to sort of what they want to escape to and experience is this idea of this bleak world where things go horribly and they have to do what they can to strive against these challenges because that's not something they experience in their daily life as much. And I think for me, like, I've played D&D where, like, I've been in good places in my life, and I've played D&D where I've been in bad places. Mm-hmm. Like, I just like playing D&D. Well, yeah. <laughs> There's that, too. Like, I, and I, so, someone on, like, of internet community that, like, we were a part of back in the day um, accused me of playing D&D for just escapism. And it's like, no, I just really like this game. It's fucking fun. Yeah, it is fun. Like, it's a game with rules that is fun also. I get to tell... So, like... And the storytelling part is the fun part. Here's the thing. How many times in your real life do you get to deliver, like, fucking swank-ass, like, uh... One-liners? One-liners. Never. You know how many one-liners I get to say in D&D? So friggin' many. I'm super good at one-liners. It's literally the only instance in my life where I can use these one-liners. And not to mention the fact that D&D gets a bad rap for being escapism in a way that, say, movies and video games don't as much. Like, somebody will be like, oh, you're playing D&D nerd because your real life is boring and you hate it, and then they'll go watch Die Hard and be all like, oh man, it'd be so cool if I was John McClane, kind of thing. Here's the thing. I've played a D&D adventure where I was John McClane. Like, not actually, but, like, you, I played that role. You basically were. It yeah. Was, it was a D&D session based on Die Hard with the players in the McClane role. Yeah, and, like, I got to... I purposefully did things that John McClane did to harken back to it, but when you play Die Hard the video game, you don't get to be like, oh, what would John McClane do? And add on to, like... The McLeanisms, or even do things of like, oh, what would I do that John McClane wouldn't do? Because John McClane doesn't have magic powers, and I do. Yeah. In this instance, for example, since this is a D and D type game, Crispy's John McClane type character was basically able to face down with the the Drow who were taking the role of the terrorists in the situation. Just fight a bunch of them, just head on. John McClane generally had to use trickery and such, but you had magic and you would fireball them. Yeah, it was great. I really, really liked it. You jumped out of a window and then, like, floated down to safety and then started fighting back up the tower from the ground floor. Like, these are all things that wouldn't have happened in Die Hard. And the thing is, is that it sounds like a story that somebody would tell, but these are things that none of us had planned beforehand that just sort of happened. Yeah, it's we collaborated and made it up as we went along. Like, it's sort of like Tim was saying a couple minutes ago about someone who makes fun of someone who, like, plays D&D, but then they go home and they play hours upon hours of World of Warcraft. Or Call of Duty. Um, so, like, you 
you can go home and do this mindlessly repetitive, very limited sort of... Very passive. Yeah. like you do, Something you don't engage that well. Especially video games today. I mean, jeez. Yeah, like... Video games today! So you're playing Call of Duty and, like, you're... You know, you're trying to kill the other people, but you're trying not to get killed. But you can't... You're not... Con- you're not connecting with it on the same level, I would say. Yeah, like if I was playing like a modern fantasy thing where we're like soldiers, not modern fantasy, like a modern role-playing thing, mm-hmm. and there's like a window or something like that that I want to hide behind, I can... Or, uh, or I, I don't recommend hiding behind a window. No, They yeah. don't offer great coverage. That's true. I recommend a door. Or, yeah, some some area where in a game you wouldn't be able to, to hide or do a thing that you wanted to that you could realistically do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in Call of Duty, I at least I think, I haven't ever played them. I've only ever seen people play them. I could, like, run ahead of the people chasing me and find, like, a really easily accessible area and set up, like, a tripwire. Why? Because I have tripwire. Because I got to pick my own equipment loadout. Mm-hmm. Like, actually pick it. I've got five flares. Or you uh, can take the, the boot strings off yeah. of the terrorist shoes or whatever. Here's another thing. I think not just... You're not only able to have more, to express more ingenuity just because you're not limited by a system which has a limited amount of work put into what you're able to do. You're also able to explore more of the outside narrative of why you're in this war and fighting these people. And I think you, you get to make more complicated choices. For example, this is a tabletop role-playing game, so you're probably in a party of people. And these people are like your, your, your close-knit group. And in Call of Duty, if one of them dies, you just wait 10 minutes. But in, in a game like this, you might have to choose between going to save, like risking your own safety to go and save one of your platoon members because the platoon member talked about like what they want to do after the war is over and you want to help them realize their dreams because you're that person's friend now. And you can have the choice of going to save them or protecting the entire platoon and staying behind. And... No matter what you do, everything's going to go on based on what choices you made. It's not going to be like, oh, bad end, let's go back. Or like, which one of these two things will happen? It's way more open-ended and more engaging. Yeah, like, in, like, and that's not to say that those kind of choices can't be programmed into a video game, but they have to be accounted for. (laughs) You can do literally anything in a tabletop game. Say, like, um, you are being, like, faced down by, like, a terrorist, but you get the drop on him because you were, like, hiding. Mm-hmm. And you decide, I want to light a flare and, like, shove it down his pants. <laughs> no video game programmer is going to account for that. You can't account for human ingenuity. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have choices built into the game, but you're limited to those choices. You can't create something new. Riddle me this. Let's say, let's not put this into a dichotomy of you and your soldier friends and the bad guys, the terrorists. Let's say you're in this other alternate world, or you're in this war, and you kidnap an enemy soldier, and you interrogate him, and he doesn't have any new information. He's your prisoner for a while. Then you can start talking to him, and you sort of become friendly with this guy. He tells you about his perspective and the things that have happened to him, and you realize that the propaganda that you've been fed your entire life, you've only been getting one side of the story, and you start to find yourself sympathizing with this man who was your prisoner, and that person was somebody the DM thought you were just going to shoot and kill. Yeah. Like, this can be written as a story in a game, but not 
it can't be a part of any game. It has to be in there beforehand. It's not something that could unfold naturally, I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. The thing, the difference between a tabletop game, even or like a, a computer role-playing game, even if it's the most complex, narratively driven role-playing game to ever hit a computer, mm-hmm. you... You can't do anything. You can't do anything that's not already decided for I think an important distinction we're not making here is I'm, I'm saying like, I'm trying to say you can't do this in a video game. Let's take a specific video game. What's a video game we've both played all the way through? Or at least know about the story that goes all the way through. Even one with choices in it. Even one with choices. Even one with choices, yes. Uh, I guess the first Mass Effect. Oh man, I haven't played through it. Okay. Um, <laughs> what's, what's a game you've played that has choices? It's a video. Fallout. Fallout. Yeah. So, uh, I'm trying to, no, I'm trying to think of a game with, not like a questy type game, but one with more of like a narrative arc. Narrative arc. Like, like a start to finish game. One that might have branching paths, but ultimately is like a, you know, straight through kind of telling the story. The, I guess Guardian Heroes. No, I don't want to shit on Guardian Heroes for any reason. (laughs) I do love that game. Okay. Take a game. Let's let's just go back. Let's go way back. Let's go to Mega Man. Okay, Mega Man. Let's take Mega two, Man specifically. Okay, Mega specifically Man Mega Man Two. Mega Man Two. You okay? In a video game, you could have like complex moral choices or whatever. But take a game of the Mega Man variety where you go and you fight a boss. You can't talk to the boss. You can't convince the boss that your side is right. You can't defect against your own. You you can't decide not to fight and just sort of abandon the world to its fate. I'm sorry that Mega Man is so dark in this situation. You can't turn on Dr. Light and watch the life leave his eyes as you (laughs) stick your plasma cannon into his gut. (laughs) Like, the the choice that you can make in Mega Man 2 is... Which boss do I fight? Which boss do I fight first and where do I go from there? And, like, which route do I take through the level? Yeah. Do I go high? Do I go low? Yeah. And, but... As far as the story, you can't change the story of a video game generally unless it's designed for you to be able to. And that's true of a lot of tabletop sessions, but those ones aren't fun. Yeah. <laughs> and like and that's the thing. Like I, I think actually there's merit to that. Mm-hmm. Because people play video games because they want to play a story. Mm-hmm. And people play tabletop games and it's a legitimate way. Like a, a Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess people like playing getting through a story with I've heard somebody like, say that nobody minds railroads if the train is made of candy and it goes to awesome town. <laughs> that's that's a good point. Yeah. Like so where I guess where tabletop games are different and why they're so much better. Sorry, like tabletop games are just better than video games. Like you can't I don't know if you could say that objectively. Well, okay. That's like saying that apples are better than democracy. Depends on not, the kind of democracy. That, that's, what I'm saying is that they're not comparable. Yeah, okay. But tabletop games are better than video games in certain aspects, for sure. So, in a tabletop game, you can have infinite freedom or play mm-hmm. a set story. Yeah, but a video game can't have infinite freedom. Like, even Minecraft. You can't eat dirt in Minecraft. Yeah. You can eat dirt in a tabletop game, and the DM can be like, okay, you get really sick. But you could do it. It might ultimately be pointless. You can't, like, uh, you you can't in Minecraft mine some sand from the beach and then, as a spider is creeping up on you, take the sand and throw it into the spider's eyes. I got it. I got the ultimate example. Well, you can, but it won't do anything. Hookers. Um, 
sorry. So, <laughs> in a game, right. many games feature prostitution as a thing. You got, like, your GTAs, you got, like, your Red Deads, you got, like, your gun, which is basically, like, proto-Red Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm fairly sure that there are more, like, the Fable games, there are, like, women, not, not just hookers, sorry. Women who you can have sex with in the video game because you're fucking gross. <laughs> so, let's say in, like, GTA, right? Mm-hmm. You can't pick up a prostitute off the street and then, like, chat with her about how she got into this situation mm-hmm. and then decide that you're going to help her out by, like, buying her groceries and then check up on her in, mm-hmm. like, a couple weeks. Give her that $500 you earned from making that sweet jump. Yeah, and then, like, eventually, like... She is indebted to you, and, like, you two go on a date, and then eventually you, like, marry each other. That's not possible in GTA. It's not possible, like, so, like, the Fable games, you can, like, give ladies presents, and they'll marry you. But you can't, like, give them presents, or... And just as, just be like, here, have this present, and then talk about their interests, and then, like, get, become, like, friends with them. I guess... Video games definitely, they set the metrics for what you can and can't do based on not necessarily what you want to do, but what they perceive to be what would be normal, I suppose. Yeah. Like, what would most people want to do, they say? Yeah, like, I can give, like, this lady in Fable, like, chocolates and a ring, but I can't write her poetry. I can't compose a song for her. I can't train her how to fight and have her ride with me into battle. These are things that you can do in tabletop games. Yeah, you can do anything in tabletop games. And it's great. You can walk up to a child and murder them. Yeah, you can't <laughs> do that in Skyrim. Uh, for the record, I don't do that. Not in real life or in tabletop games. Ever. <laughs> I don't even pretend to do it. I do not advocate the murder of children. Usually. Anyway. So... Uh... I guess we kind of got sidetracked from, like, yeah, why yeah. D&D specifically yeah, why versus D&D? other games. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked in the last episode about high-adventure role-playing, or as I like to call it, and I didn't say it during the episode, but I did think it, high-accountant role-playing <laughs> with your green plexi-visor and your, like, adding machine. You said no callbacks. No, no, no. I was not going to... I was going to make a not callback to that one specific bit. Okay. Um... You know the bit. Yeah. Um, so D&D is, depending on the version, <laughs> the math is relatively simple to do. Yeah. You can definitely get up to, like, I have to add 17, and then <laughs> I get a circumstantial bonus. I multiply my damage by 150%. And then the the bard says, don't forget about the plus one. Yeah. Which, if you did forget about it, you have to go back and retroactively figure out what happened. Yeah. Um, so the game is, mechanically, I like it a lot. Um, you have all of the different dice, you use the different dice, except for, like, the D percentile. And the aspects of your character's abilities determine what, the scope of what your character can do, as well as the chances they'll succeed on the things that they do. Which is, it's basically a pretty low-level reality simulation engine, more or less. Yeah. It's just kind of there to help arbitrate what characters will be able to do and how likely they are to succeed, which is just what a game system in most role-playing games is supposed to do. But take that in comparison to something like World of Darkness, I guess. Mm -hmm. World of Darkness is very narratively driven. 
for me, it's 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 the difference. Like D and D is an actiony game. Yeah. Like I I know it's a role playing game, but like fighting is a very large part of that. It's what most of the book is dedicated to. Yeah, and I like it. Like combat is exciting. It's it's fun to do. Mm-hmm. I wish it was a little bit faster at times, but well, it's pretty fast indeed. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that I don't I don't know that like focus on combat. It that is what I like. I do think. D&D also, because it started life as a war game, has an element of strategy to it. And so you are engaged with the game in the, not necessarily in the sense of what would my character do at any given point, because you can say my character would try to make the best choice that they can. And so you're engaging with the game in terms of what, with the tools I am I given, can I do to solve this problem in front of me, whether it's crossing this chasm or slaying this dragon, or what have you. And problem solving is very, very engaging. That's what a lot of games are based around. And nar- more narrative-based games, like World of Darkness, don't necessarily have that really goal-oriented problem solving aspect. Like, generally, World of Darkness or a similar game will say, like, well, what would make the most interesting story? And not necessarily, like, how are you going to use the resources allotted to your character by the system to accomplish your character's goals? I think there's also an aspect of, like, I know it's a tabletop game and you're not supposed to win. Like, you really can't. I guess, like, you you win. You constantly win. Yeah, because you're having fun. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, you actually, like, win shit. Like, well, yeah, you, you when, prizes. when you overcome challenges, you get rewards. Yeah. And you win. That feels good. Like, mm-hmm. I like winning. Yeah. So, like, World of Darkness, like, when you defeat, like, a clan of Nosferatu who have, like, they're encroaching upon your lair or whatever, and you, you beat them, you don't get a magic sword. I was gonna say you don't get a cool shotgun. Yeah, okay, you don't get a cool, you don't get a magic shotgun. Okay. In D&D... Like, I beat the vampire, and the vampire has, like, a treasure hoard. And now that treasure hoard is mine. It's even better when you're given this thing of, like, oh, I can choose not to do this dangerous thing, but if I do this dangerous thing and succeed, I'll be rewarded. And when you do that, it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, let me let me do a different reaction other than it's really cool. I'm sorry. It's all your fault. I'm sorry. I've tried to think of a different thing to say this whole time. You know what? It's really cool. It's fine. <laughs> Screw it. Whatever. We're doing it live. You're going to keep all this, aren't you? Yep. <laughs> like 30 seconds of silence. <laughs> People would be like, did my iPod break? What? What's going on? That's just... I just wanted to sound really smart. There's just... <laughs> it's okay, buddy. It's really cool. It's really cool when you undertake risks and are rewarded for it because in real life you aren't usually. Yeah. It's very unlikely that you are rewarded for taking a risk. <laughs> like I don't know, I just we've played other games. Like we've played other versions of D&D. We've played like Kobolds Ate My Baby. Yeah. We've played Ninja Burger, which I like. Um <laughs> wait, we haven't played Kobolds Ate My Baby. No, we've played Ninja Burger. Same same system, I yeah. guess. I mean, we... What about, like... We've played kind of a little... We've played, like, some mutants and masterminds. Yeah, mostly just kind of... Messing around. Yeah, nothing really large-scale. Yeah. I don't know, maybe we should branch out and start playing other games. I just <laughs> really like D&D, though. Yeah, there's just something... D&D, I think, 
since it has kind of the responsibility to be the flagship tabletop role-playing game, it's sort of evolved into this thing that can be whatever you make of it. Yeah. It can accommodate, like, really dramatic theater or, like, hack-and-slash challenging, engaging gameplay or just digging around at a tavern or whatever what have whatever you enjoy you can do in D&D and D&D might not be the best tool for the job necessarily but everybody knows D&D everybody knows kind of what to expect from it yeah and it, and it kind of gives all these different playstyles some common ground like D&D I think is it's not the right tool for any kind of job and that even includes being the all-around system that can do everything. D&D is not even the right system for that. But D&D, I think, is a great platform for everybody to sort of explore what they want from tabletop games. And It's sort of like a, it's like that phrase, you can always go home. Yeah, exactly. You can yeah. always go home to D&D. Yeah, like I can play Mouse Guard or I can play friggin' the Star Wars RPG from West End Games. <laughs> Yeah, throw like, out some D6s. Yeah, I want to play those games. I like those games. I've read through them and, like, man, I want to play these. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, D&D, you just, I keep coming back to it because it's, mm -hmm. it's comfortable. It's home. Yeah. I've played World of Darkness. World of Darkness has a bunch of shit in it that, like, I don't like. Mm -hmm. um, it has some stuff that I do like, but you don't have that as much with D&D. I yeah. think it's, I feel like it's definitely more, not more, I definitely think it's less restrictive and, like, what you can do and, like, what heights that you can achieve. Yeah. Because it doesn't have, like, a built-in mechanic for, like, the powers police. <laughs> the powers police. It doesn't have, like, uh, if you do this thing too much, you make these moral choices and yeah, become an NPC. It doesn't include story mechanics, but because it doesn't include story mechanics, it leaves the story open to your imagination. Yeah, and I like that a lot. Yeah. Story mechanics are cool. Like, that's a neat thing, but... I would rather play a game where... The story just unfolds naturally, yeah. I guess. Rather than as a result of the system. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's probably a good note to end on. I you think can, so you can always come home to D&D. I think that is a pretty good message. Yeah. So, why tabletop games? All that stuff. Why D&D in particular? That. Yeah. I hope I didn't do too much pontificating there. Of being like, you can explore aspects of your own personality. I started that off. <laughs> like... I remember about the time where I told the story of how, like, I lived out mm. fantasies of becoming a psychopath. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, you had a platform for it. Yeah. And it's cool that I could do that. Yeah. And that's not where you are in your life anymore, but you enjoyed vicariously living out your experiences as a really violent, uncontrolled person. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. It's a good time in my life. Yeah. Uh, I guess that'll be it for this podcast. <laughs> All right, join us next time when we talk about Dungeons and Dragons, probably. Um, most likely. Critical Wits is Tim Jenkins and Chris Stockett. Intro and outro music is Midi 30 by Neil Cicerica, as remixed by Jared Maloney. Visit our website at criticalwits.info or send us an email at criticalwits at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This podcast is a member of WGPRN, wildgamesproductions.com.